This is the Flying Field Podcast. The Flying Field Podcast is a service of rcplaneviews.com and the Flying Field blog. This is episode 107. Go on, shoot! This episode was produced the week of December 20th, 2011. Hello modelers, and welcome to this edition of the Flying Field Podcast. I'm Jim Mohan. The title of this episode is, Go On, Shoot. No, not a firearm, rather your camera. I've been taking some photos and video lately, and thought I'd share some tips that I've come across or learned from experience. But before we go there, though, let's take a quick look at some RC news from the last couple of weeks. There's a full-scale aerobatic airplane that's been making a bit of a splash for a couple of years, so it's no surprise that the RC world has a couple of new models of it. It's the SBOC 342. The full-scale version is a composite airplane that comes in single and double-seat versions. It has been flying the aerobatic and airshow circuit and is pretty nice. It has a 24-foot wingspan and a 21-foot fuselage length. Both Horizon Hobby and Dynam have new versions out. The Horizon Hobby version is a mini flyer in the bind and fly line of models. It has a 17-inch wingspan and a 16-inch length. With the battery installed, it weighs in at just under 3 ounces. Aerobatic by design, reviews and videos over at RC Group show it to be a nice park-sized flyer capable of 3D maneuvering. The Dynam SBOC is a bigger model. It boasts a wingspan of just over 49 inches and a length over 48 inches. Available as an RTF or ARF version, it comes equipped with a brushless 3720-650kV motor and a 2200 mAh four-cell LiPo battery. The Dynam SBOC lines up for takeoff, weighing in at just over 51 ounces. For those not familiar with Dynam models, they're molded out of EPO foam. Initial reviews suggest replacing the rudder and elevator servos with stronger servos if you plan to do 3D maneuvering with the Dynam. Newer versions are supposed to come with upgraded servos, so you may want to check. The Dynam SBOC is available at Nitroplanes.com and Grayson Hobby. A popular model, both are now out of stock as this episode is produced. Also new is the Electrify Mr. Mulligan. The Mr. Mulligan was a racer in the 1930s, so it is a much different airplane than the SBOC we just discussed. Electrify's version sports a 52-inch wingspan and a 42-inch length. The Mr. Mulligan is a balsa-framed model covered in monocoat. Electrify recommends a 4250 800 kV motor and a 4-cell LiPo. The advertised weight is about 5.5 pounds and it has working flaps. RC Universe has a nice review and build log if you're interested in classic airplanes from the 1930s. 
Well, enough of that. Let's move on to the main course. As I mentioned in the intro, I've been taking a fair number of photos and some video lately. I've done some study and talking to others who like to shoot model airplanes, so I thought I'd take some time today to both encourage you to take your camera with you to add an additional aspect of the RC hobby and to offer some tips and tools. One of the obvious things you'll need if you plan to take airborne shots is an SLR camera. I've got an older Nikon D50 digital camera with a 6 megapixel sensor. Now, the similar model, the D3100, comes with a 14.2 megapixel sensor. In addition to the 55mm lens, I also have a 55 to 300mm telephoto lens that is pretty much required for airborne models. You can often get a pretty good combo deal on these entry-level SLRs that include both lenses, a case, and a memory card. The advantage that the higher pixel level and long lens provide you is the ability to enlarge the image using some photo editing software. The more pixels, the better your ability to enlarge the shot. Make sure you spend some time understanding the various settings on your camera. Most cameras will have several settings that will automatically set the camera for the kind of shooting you'll be doing. For airplanes, I usually just use the standard auto setting or the speed or sport setting. The setting you use will depend upon the effect you're after. If you are using a point-and-shoot type camera, be aware of the image size you selected when setting up the camera when you first got it. High-quality images take a lot of data, and that can mean several seconds before you can take the next shot as the camera writes the previous shot to the memory card. Since these are hobby shots and you're not likely planning to sell your photos, select a medium-sized image to speed up the time between shots. The exception may be if you are planning to shoot from a distance and know you'll be enlarging a portion of the image a great deal, in that case, you may have to just deal with the right time delay. The other drawback found in many less expensive point-and-shoot cameras is often referred to as shutter lag. That is the time delay between when you press the shutter release and when the image is actually captured. Spend some time playing with your camera to get a sense of what the delay is. With some practice, you can anticipate the delay and still get some great shots. Whether you are using a nice SLR or a point-and-shoot, the big advantage of digital photography is that you can shoot a bunch of photos and look for the best one. I recently had my camera out to the field and asked a friend to shoot some airborne shots of one of my new models. I could hear him clicking away as I flew and was shocked to find that he had taken nearly a hundred pictures during that five-minute flight. The result was that there were a lot of pictures that weren't very good or were essentially duplicates. On the other hand, there was a handful of really good shots too. After downloading the files to my computer, it was a simple matter to delete the ones I didn't like or want. With digital photography, more is better. 
One of the things many modelers forget when taking pictures at the flying field or flying event is the people. While the models are likely your primary focus, the shots of your modeling buddies or the crowd along the flight line really help remind you of the context during your little stroll down memory lane. You'll see that person who asked about your model or the one with whom you had a great conversation about weathering your model or some other useful topic. Wide shots of lots of models along the flight line and the folks enjoying the day will bring a smile to some cold day when the weather doesn't allow you to be out flying. What you may not realize is that taking the photo is just the first step of enjoying your photographic handiwork. Editing is important too. I don't like to spend a lot of money on software tools if I can find some for free. That's not to say that I look for those internet sites that sell pirated software, but there are some really good, fairly comprehensive software packages marketed as freeware with the opportunity to donate to the author or group that publishes it via PayPal, for instance. I like and use a couple of tools quite often. One is photo editing software called Paint.net. This software allows you to do many of the things you can do in Photoshop without the $500 price tag. For example, I have a nice photo of my grandkids all sitting on the stairs in my home. Besides editing out the red eye from the flash, the interesting thing is that one of them was napping when the photo was taken. Later, I just plopped the little guy down on the stairs, snapped his picture, and dropped him into the other picture with his sister and cousins. Now, everyone was accounted for. For my airplane photos, I usually limit myself to the really handy tool called Crop to Selection within Paint.net. This allows me to draw a box around a fairly small airborne airplane and delete all the other parts of the image and enlarge the selected area. This is a great tool to make your image look like you were right next to the model when the photo was snapped. This is where the higher pixel count comes in. With a high pixel count, you can really zoom in on a small part of the original photo and still end up with a sharp image. With smaller pixel counts, your image will start to pixelate or become blocky at lower levels of magnification than with the high pixel images. That is why the photo from your smartphone just doesn't cut it when zooming in. The other free software I use is called High Quality Photo Resizer. This is a neat little utility that allows you to lower the resolution of your photos and thus their file size. This is handy when loading your photos to the web, such as a post to RC Groups or Wattflyer. There's really no point in posting a picture with an 800 or 1200 DPI to the web. Most screens can't display that level of quality without the picture falling off the edges of the screen. For most uses, images that are 300 to 480 pixels high are plenty big. The Photo Resizer utility allows you to easily select photos you want to resize, apply some corrections such as sharpen, and drop smaller copies of the photos into the directory of your choice. And oh yeah, did I mention? It's free too. The last thing we need to chat about is what you do with the photos. 
One of the obvious things is to post an album of your photos to your Facebook or Google Plus page to share with others. You can also post them to photo sharing sites like Flickr. Another fun thing to do is to make a video slideshow. There are both paid and free software that will allow you to string your photos together and add transitions and music. These videos can then be posted or shared online. If you are a Windows user, the free choice is Windows Movie Maker. Movie Maker is a free download to your Windows machine if it isn't there already. Mac programs are also available. Just remember that if you are posting your masterpiece online, that the music you ripped from one of your CDs is copyrighted and posting it would likely be a violation of the site's user agreement. Be cautious. Now, on to some events. I just made my hotel reservations and ordered advance tickets to the AMA Expo coming up on January 6th through the 8th at the Ontario, California Convention Center. We've been talking about photos this episode, and I'll have both my camera and video camera along with me. I'm also hoping to get a chat with some of the vendors about what's new with them in 2012. With any luck, I can get some audio to share with you. You can order tickets from the AMA website at a discount to pick up at the event's will call window. A quick review of the events over at RC Universe clearly shows that we're in winter. There are several indoor flying events and expos listed around the country. There are also a lot of squat meets scheduled in the next couple of months. Sounds like fun. Be sure to take a look. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Flying Field Podcast. As the holiday season is upon us, I hope you have a happy and safe holiday. Links to some of the software mentioned and some of my flying photos can be found in the show notes at the Flying Field blog at www.flyingfieldblog.rcplaneviews.com. This was episode 107. I'm Jim Mohan. Happy modeling and fly safe.